We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, and I'm thrilled to introduce my new podcast, TE1. TE1 will chronicle a 60-year evolution of the tight end position, from its origins as an obscure, overlooked blocking role to the versatile superstar position that it is today. I'll explore the evolution of the position through conversations with some of the all-time game-changing tight ends. And just like the incredible tight ends we sit down with on my new show, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. This truck is all about grit, strength, and dependability. The same attributes it takes to be a tight end. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. New England sending QB Jimmy Garoppolo to 49ers. We believe we found the right guy. Garoppolo, quick pass, caught by Kittle. He dives, and he's in. Touchdown, 49ers. Yeah, you heard it there. It's the Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. That's right. I switched it up on you today. Introduce myself first. That guy sitting right over there, that handsome fella who got a haircut. It's uh, Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. And Chris, with your fresh haircut, how good did that feel? It was a top five experience of 2020. Um, not a high bar to clear, not a high bar to clear, but like, so I'm typically like a every three to four weeks guy and I'm Mm -hmm. usually pretty high and tight with the cut. Um, I had been going like three and four months at a time and it was one of those things where it's like, it really deadens your, your self-esteem at a certain point. Yeah. (laughs) When you look in the mirror and you're like, I don't want to look like this anymore. Why do you think I just cut all my hair off? Right. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, um, so yeah, getting, getting a haircut, getting a, uh, the, the barbershops actually just opened up down here. Um, and I got a guy who's been doing a great job. Shout out cam. 
and uh yeah he i i gotta i gotta look sharp for for post-game videos coming up now that we're in season so um got the official in-season haircut and it feels great i feel like i've lost 20 pounds even though that's not true but um just if you if you haven't gotten a haircut and you can and it's safe and barbershops are open i highly recommend everybody do that yeah it was really jarring when you and i played golf together shout out to our listener that got on me for saying golfing <laughs> you and i played golf together and seeing the hair bang out the back end of your hat was was weird for me yeah it was, it was like it was, early it was like early 2000 early 2000s eric chavez like just long not really a mullet but just it's just so long out yeah the back. unkempt i would say unkempt and that's unkempt, not a that's not yeah. an insult yeah, I just... I mean it's fine if if you were insulting my hair at that point. I was <laughs> I insulted my hair every time I looked in the mirror. Just like his hair was hanging out the back of the hat and boy, he looked bad. Yeah, like I don't have <laughs> there's no curl there, there's nothing. It just yeah. kind of goes straight. So it's just a it's just a bad scene. It's there's a reason why I go high and tight. Hair talk here on <laughs> Blue Arnett. No, so we're going to get into uh it's Thursday night. The Chiefs and Texans just wrapped up their their game i had a couple of takeaways from that before we get into the podcast we're going to preview niners cardinals and then we're going to jump around the league and we're going to give some predictions for the season so i want to start real quick though i don't want to do a full breakdown of of chiefs texans but there is a way that it ties into the 49ers so i want to start here i've seen sporting events now we've seen sporting events now i'm sure everybody listening has seen sporting events now with no fans the chiefs allowed just over 15,000 people into their stadium. Really bad idea, by the way. Ter- ba- just bad idea scientifically and health-wise. But f- setting that aside, it looked weirder than the no fans at a baseball game. Just seeing, it was like the fourth quarter of the fourth preseason game, right. final 30 seconds crowd. And it, what I've been able to do is I've been able to, to separate when there's no fans. I just say, okay, this is the new reality. This is the COVID reality of sports. This is what we got to deal with by placing 15,000 people in the seats and then spreading them out into little pods and distancing everybody. It just made it that, that made it feel fake to me. Yeah. It's just very odd. Um, and it's going to be odd with with no fans in the stands too. But I just, for me, I'm coming from at it from it from a standpoint of like, I've been talking to epidemiologists for a story I'm working on that's probably going to come out Sunday. Um, you'll be surprised to learn that they're very against the idea of having fans in in the stands from a safety perspective. Um, and so it's hard to like do the reporting for a story like that. And then be like, oh, yeah, the Chiefs have 15,000 fans in the stands and no one's really talking about how potentially dangerous that is on the broadcast, or at least not that I heard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it's whatever. People are going to get upset because they think we're politicizing this. It's it's not. It's it's a science thing. And apparently science has been politicized these days. But hooray. the point being, um, yeah, it was weird. And uh, between the lines, though, I think we there wasn't a whole lot to learn aside from the Chiefs are still really good, um, which is what it probably would have taken to beat the 49ers last year because the 49ers yeah. were really good in the Super Bowl, too. Um, not good in the Super Bowl. They were good and the Chiefs beat them in the Super Bowl. But um, yeah, they, I mean, you, you made a good point talk, le- leading into the pod about about coaching. 
Yeah, and I think that's where so the big the big takeaway for me was like Patrick Mahomes didn't do anything crazy like oh my god that's something only Patrick Mahomes could do. Rookie running back Clyde Edward Clyde Edwards hilarious easy for me to say uh, out of LSU K- Kansas City's first round pick looked awesome. But the thing that jumped out to me was the Texans looked wholly unprepared to play football. And I think the Chiefs are better than the Texans, but I don't think they were as thoroughly better as they were tonight. And it was a, it was a, what was the final? It was a 14 point game, but I mean, it wasn't that close. Like it it was really, it was a drubbing of, of massive proportions. And it's easy to look at that and go, oh, well, the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl again. But the thing that really stood out to me, and Chris, you mentioned this in an article you wrote at the Sacramento Bee, and I thought it was a really interesting point. And I think it it really played out in in the Thursday night game is coaching is going to be more important this year than ever. And that's something other people have said, it, it, not only in football, but in but in basketball and in, and in baseball. But the Chiefs looked so much more prepared to play than the Texans did. And when you spin that toward the 49ers, which is where I'm taking this, and you look at their game against the Cardinals, when you take Cliff Kingsbury's record as a head coach even from college it's not great he's a good offensive mind but really there's no there's no evidence that he's this awesome head coach and we have some evidence that Kyle Shanahan's a pretty good NFL coach and I'm wondering if that's going to be the single biggest factor come Sunday where we walk away going man the Niners were really prepared to play and Arizona was not yeah, and the the story I wrote was basically like, you know, everybody basically now considers Kyle Shanahan probably a top five coach in the league, and, and that can fluctuate. And the reason why it fluctuates is because of situations like hap- what happened with Sean McVay in 2018, right? So Sean McVay is the wonderkind of the league. Everybody thinks he's the next Bill Belichick, and then Bill Belichick kicks his ass in the Super Bowl. Um, McVay struggles the next season, or... I guess comparatively struggles. They go nine and seven and, and just barely miss out on the playoffs, but they still miss the playoffs nonetheless after going to the Super Bowl. And then all of a sudden we wonder about Sean McVay a year after he was considered this elite coach, right? Um, so for Kyle Shanahan to really cement himself as a top five coach, he really has a perfect opportunity because, like you said, this season is all about coaching. Um, it's going to be all about getting your team prepared. It's going to be all about um, you know the the playbook and the system and the scheme. Like you have to be able to be complex enough to where you're not predictable by opponents, but you also aren't overloading your own players. And one of the reasons why I think the 49ers are in a good situation, obviously, is because of all the continuity that they have, right. um, particularly on the offensive side, right? Like in the trenches, even the new guys, um, you know. Trent Williams, for example, like has experience in the offense and is a perfect fit for what they want to do, not to mention the fact that he's an elite left tackle. Right. So like just looking at the advantages the 49ers have comparatively, they have a tried and tried and true system that they know works that can be good enough to get them to the Super Bowl. And the Cardinals, like you mentioned, are, are sort of this team trying to take that next step. Um, but they don't know that necessarily it's going to work because the jury's, you know, largely still out on Cliff Kingsbury. Um, and I do think Kyler Murray is, is going to be potentially a star quarterback, but is it going to happen on Sunday? Um, you know, I, I think just, and, and this might be 
my bias from being around the team and um i you know that, that that's one issue that you have like covering the league is not necessarily maintaining obje- objectivity but believing everything you hear i guess from players and things like that um cuz you know players will say things in pressers that aren't always true and they'll exude confidence that isn't always valid but just given who's on the 49ers now in terms of star power what they've accomplished what they've seen you hear them talking about how confident they are going into the season and how motivated they are um to go on their quote unquote revenge tour you sort of believe it and i think i don't know that necessarily arizona is going to have that same sort of edge right the 49ers are coming into this season with a big emotional edge after losing the super bowl and so I I think the Cardinals might be in a bad spot coming to Levi Stadium on Saturday or Sunday, which which would indicate to me that I would probably pick the 49ers to win handily because um and that's even despite the the issues they might have at receiver. And we should say Brandon Ayuk returned to practice today. Um Debo Samuel didn't has still has not practiced. So I am I don't think he's playing. He's not he's all all likelihood is he's not gonna play. What I think is going to end up happening is the 49ers are going to run a ton of 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 22 personnel, which is all two and one receiver sets with, you know, Kyle Juszczyk on the field or two tight ends, George Kittle and Jordan Reed or um, George Kittle and Ross Dwelly or Charlie Warner. And like, I would just line up behind Trent Williams and just or just run the ball behind Trent Williams every down. <laughs> like, If you're worried about yeah. the passing game. And the receiving core and and you know all of that stuff, which I don't think the 49ers necessarily need to be, but just if they're missing Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk is you know not at a hundred percent, and your receivers are Dante Pettis and Kendrick Bourne and Trent Taylor, you're probably going to run the ball more than you pass if you want to win, and particularly to keep Kyle, Kyler Murray off the field. And based on what I've seen in training camp, if you run left behind Lakin Tomlinson and Trent Williams, and you put George Kittle over there and Kyle Juszczyk over there, um. You know, I I don't know. You know, the 49ers ran for 471 yards in their two playoff games over, in the in those wins over Minnesota and Green Bay. Like if 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 you're going to be missing two of your top, we'll call them four wide receivers for a game. I think they're the two best receivers that they have. All right, let's personally. call them the two. Let's call them the two top receivers. Then I don't think there's another coach you'd want coaching your team for a game than than Kyle Shanahan. Especially, yeah. especially since any game planning they've done for Arizona has probably been with the idea that Debo Samuel was not going to be available. Right. Like this isn't this isn't an injury that cropped up in the middle of the week and now all of a sudden they've got to change plans. They've they've right. been known Debo was probably going to be out. Yeah, totally. And the continuity allows you to be more adaptable. If exactly. Kyle Shanahan were a first year head coach and these guys were the first, this was the first year these guys were doing it, it would be a whole lot more difficult to be adaptable. But the fact that for a lot of these guys, it's their you know second, third, fourth year in the system. Um, the 49ers have a pretty good advantage now with continuity, and uh, and so I, I just think you know it's it's going to be a tough game for Arizona, and they're going to pose problems for sure. Like we don't know what Arizona is going to look like offensively with DeAndre Hopkins, and right. it's fair to have questions about the 49ers' coverage and whether or not they can replicate what they did last year, particularly if the Cardinals are getting rid of the ball fast enough to negate D Ford and, and Nick Bosa. Um, and the Cardinals can also run the ball pretty well. At least they did last year. So there are things that the Cardinals could do offensively. I just don't know what Arizona is going to do to slow down 
um, the 49ers running game really, even though the 49ers kind of struggled to run the ball against Arizona last year. But I think having a, a more healthy George Kittle, obviously Kittle was banged up um, in the early going uh, in that Halloween game. And then he missed the second game. They only ran for 34 yards, a stat that I took a few minutes to unearth while, uh, where, while we were preparing for this with George Kittle last year on the field, the 49ers averaged five yards per carry without him. It was three and a half. Yikes. So a healthy George Kittle. I know a lot of people are talking about Justin Simmons. Um, I think the 49ers are going to make life miserable for, did I say Justin Simmons? I meant Isaiah Simmons. Yeah, that's him. Um, Justin Simmons, good safety for the Broncos. Good safety. Isaiah Simmons is a hybrid linebacker safety for the Cardinals. Um, I the think guy it's, built to defend George Kittle. I think his head's going to be spinning on Sunday. I do too. And that's where, that's where like the Cardinals made a big deal about. He's only going to play linebacker out of the gate because they want him to learn one position before they start. And that was the big thing is he can cover in the slot. He can drop and play free safety. He can roam around like a strong safety. He can play linebacker. He can rush a passer. I mean, he's an excellent player. But given how little time and how little preparation there's been going into the season, I, I, I just I have a really hard time thinking he's going to make a massive impact on this game Sunday. Right. And I'm interested. I'm interested to watch. Because the Cardinals had a really hard time covering George Kittle, who was on one leg last year. But if Simmons is going to step in right away and be that kind of defense-altering player, then you know we're, we can have a different conversation. But I have a really hard time believing a rookie is going to step in day one against an offensive coach as creative as Kyle Shanahan and make a consistent impact. I, I think you're right. I think we see... I think on the broadcast, we're going to get multiple times where they circle Isaiah Simmons and point out how he got got. There's going to be play action. There's going to be pre-snap movement. I would imagine there's going to be a lot of Jordan Reed. Mm -hmm. um, I just think if if that's your position you're playing and it's your first NFL game, it's going to be really difficult for you. And look, like we did, we did uh, the first game we did in our Old Rush series during the pandemic. Um, was Richard Sherman's first game as a Seahawk. It was the 2011 opener in San Francisco. And Sherman was objectively terrible on as a gunner on special teams. And Ted Ginn scored two touchdowns, which ultimately helped him win the game. And Richard Sherman turned out just fine. So it's not to say we think Isaiah Simmons isn't going to be a great player. It's just going to be really tough for him to be that great player from the jump. No preseason games. Exactly. Um, shortened off season, all of that stuff while going against the best tight end in the league, running one of the most complex schemes in the league. And that's what I think. <laughs> I think that's going to be one of the one of the big takes uh, after Sunday is like, you can't judge Isaiah Simmons yet. Because. Yeah. yeah. So I, I, and then I all just the smart people are like, yeah, it was one game. <laughs> right. So I think I, I just. I'm envisioning a game where, because I, I think offensively the Cardinals are going to be fine, and I think the Niners' defense. Uh, I, I I've said this on the podcast already. I think they're going to regress a little bit, mm -hmm. but if it comes down, if a game comes down to one or two stops, I like the Niners' defense to get one or two stops way more than I like Arizona's. Yeah, agreed. And that's that's what it comes down to for me. Who are you most interested to watch uh, for for the Forty ers You mentioned Jordan Reed. Is that the guy that? 
when he first takes the field you're just kind of locked on or, or is it somebody else uh the guy i'm most interested i mean there are a few of them um yeah so with Ayuk returning to practice today i'm really interested to see him because i've said it on here too like over the last month that his training camp was far and away the best of any rookie receiver i've seen since i've been covering the team and i thought you know he was the best receiver on the field and and debo wasn't out there um so, you know, that's not to say he's the best 40, the best receiver the 49ers have, but you see exactly what Kyle Shanahan likes. Now, it was tough to really get a gauge of where Ayuk was at physically today because we only saw warm-ups. Um, I had the binoculars out trying to trying to watch the receiver drills 200 yards away from me, and it was a little tough. There wasn't a whole lot of full speed stuff. It was, you know, get quick releases off the line. Um, I didn't really see him run routes full speed, so I don't know where his health is at. And um, I do think the fact that he was practicing today is a good sign potentially towards him playing Sunday, but it's, it's not a guarantee. Um, They might, given that he's a rookie and his practice time has been so limited as it is, they might just sort of um, get him back on the practice field this week and then really start ramping him up next week for week two. Um, So that's certainly a possibility to, to consider too, but it, I'm curious to see the personnel groupings really um, because yeah. I, I'm imagining a world this year where, you know, that and there people have talked about this. Um, I think Warren Sharp has talked about it, that there's probably going to be a movement back towards the running game. And we've already seen some teams do that. Like the Niners did it last year. The Ravens did it last year. Um, the Packers are trying to do it this off season. Um, I think if your basis, if the basis of your offense is the running game, like the 49ers, I think you're, you're much more difficult to defend and it's also easier on your own defense, right? Like you can have an eight minute drive and essentially give your defense, you know, 20 minutes on the sideline of real time. Right. Um, right. So. I think that type of balance is going to come back. There's still going to be throwing, obviously. I think teams are are starting to warm up to the statistical analyses that say um, play action passing is way more efficient, and coaches right. will realize in order for play action passing to work. And I know there's there's an argument against um, a good running game mattering for play action, but I will always go back to the fact that if you talk to defensive players in the league, they'll say they're they're play action is way more effective for offenses that run the ball well. Um, So that'll be my argument against that. But um, I think the 49ers are sort of the, um, they're going to be the team, one of the teams at the forefront potentially of that shift back to a run first offense, or at least an offense that features heavy play action and a lot of rushing the ball. Um, like the Ravens did last year, although it's different with them because they have a running quarterback. So I'm curious to see if if Sunday sort of marks the start of that and if we come out of that game thinking, well, we talked so much about Jimmy Garoppolo in the offseason and, and the receivers and the fact that they're banged up there, but really they ran the ball 40, 45 times um, and it really didn't matter, right? That's that's kind of what, what I'm ex- predicting would happen, I guess. I can dig that. I don't have any. I don't have anything to add. I think that's how it's gonna go. Should we take a break? I just uh, real quick. The, okay. One of the other things I'm I'm interested to watch, and I 
I think you brought this up last pod, or maybe you brought this up just in a separate conversation, but Trent Williams against Chandler Jones. Yeah. Uh, Chandler Jones in nine career games against the 49ers. Well, nine games since joining the Cardinals. He has six sacks. Um, he's somebody that Joe Staley just kind of always had a hard time with. And then it was just in school for one of the games last year as well, or maybe both games. But I'm uh, fascinated to watch Chandler Jones against against Trent Williams and see, A, if there's any rust for Williams, and B, if if he's still, uh, if he can be a difference maker against arguably the, the Cardinals' best defender. I don't want to... So, pre- I don't want to pretend to be like offensive line guy because that's not generally who I am. And I think the guys, the self-proclaimed offensive line people are funny. Not in like a bad way. I just think it's funny when people gush about offensive line play. But like, if you're not like 6'3", 320, d- like, relax. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, but what I was going to say is like... I just love watching offensive lines. Cool, but, man. But watching Trent Williams play, just watching the way he moves at his size is in person is just crazy yeah and like obviously nick bose is a very good to great player and uh and trent williams just like yeah you know so like just just (laughs) sunning just sunning pass rushers the entire like all of training camp it was uh it was really impressive all right let's uh let's hit a break and get to some predictions You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with new contactless delivery drop-off settings. Choose your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. And just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE, B-L-U-W-I-R-E, for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And Sundays are coming back in the NFL starting this Sunday. It's crazy to think about. But with NFL Sunday Ticket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone, DirecTV, Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. You can have your laptop, your iPad, your phone, your TV. You have four or five screens all at your disposal at once watching four or five different games in Red Zone. It's, It's really, really cool. It's fun to be able to do that. So no matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Hey, let's get to some predictions, man. We have to We have to do this. Uh, I... I... I want to say off top Thursday night's game did not change how I feel about either team. I would agree. Not super high on the Texans and pretty high on the chiefs, the defending super bowl champions. Yeah. Uh, so let's just go division by division here. We'll pick winners. I'm not going to have a ton to say about each one. Um, and then we can just do playoffs and super bowl and stuff. It'll be great. 
Um, and then I'll ask you some Niners related prediction questions. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, AFC East. I I'm gonna do the trendy thing and pick the Bills. Uh, until the Pats do not win the AFC East, I'm going to pick the Pats. That's fair. That's what I really want to do. I just think I think Sean McDermott's an awesome coach, and I feel like the Bills have another step to take where like they would have competed with the Patriots even if Tom Brady was still there. So I feel like um, they're going to be two playoff teams in that division. Yeah, I I I, 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 I could see that for sure. Uh, AFC North, uh, the Ravens. I don't think the Ravens are going to go 14 and two again, but I do think they win the division. Uh, just for the sake of disagreeing with you, I'm going to take Pittsburgh. That's fine. Love their defense. Yes. Roethlisberger coming back contract year Juju um, Smith Schuster. That is. <laughs> uh not 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 to be confused with uh juju williams or just like juju like everybody has juju you know like energy oh yeah yeah yeah, nice dude uh, I like that. <laughs> uh so yeah Steelers. all right uh afc south i'm going with the colts and i think the colts are gonna be like awesome like i think the colts win like 12 games wow yeah okay um, I still like Tennessee. I do really like the Colts, though. But I'm I'm gonna be contra- I guess it's contrarian. Is it no, contrarian I, to take no, the, the last year's playoff team? No, I don't think so. Because I I mean, there's a world where Ryan Tannehill is awesome again. But you just got Jadavian Clowney, bro. Oh well, that's a difference maker for sure. <laughs> Uh, no, here's my, here's my take on the Titans. And I have a lot of Titans thoughts. I used to, I used to do Titans wire. I don't know. Huge Titans guy. Big Titans guy. Huge Titans guy. Big Titans guy. Tighten up. But Derrick Henry through four years has 804 carries. He had 303 last year. And I'm just not certain he's going to be able to replicate the success he had. Here are his final six games. 23 carries, 188 yards, two touchdowns, 19 for 159, two touchdowns, 26 for 149 and a touchdown, 18 for 103 and two touchdowns, 21 for 86, no touchdowns, 32 for 211 and three touchdowns. He was so dominant last year, and that was such a big part of their success. I don't think it's replicable. I I, I just, I'm, I think Derrick Henry's good. I don't think he's going to be able to keep a... Uh, how many yards is that? 2,400 yard, 27 touchdown pace for an entire season. And I think when he slows down, that offense is really going to grind to a halt because I don't think Ryan Tannehill is as good as as he was last season. So I, I'm out on the Titans. Okay. I said I wasn't going to have thoughts on any I did not, have an, impassioned, I did not have an impassioned take on the AFC What are South. we doing here? <laughs> if you're not... <laughs> AFC South talk. Uh, AFC West, it's the Chiefs. And it's the Chiefs going to have it wrapped up by week. 12 uh yeah don't do don't do come on yeah no i'm trying to think if there's any other like if there's even a second playoff team in the afc west i don't know the the Ra- the raiders might like i could if their defense yeah. all clicks maybe they sneak in the team i the the afc west take i have is that the broncos are gonna like stink oh interesting. There's this a lot obs- of people love the broncos broncos well, fans Va- are so high in the broncos right now von miller's out yeah. Which big deal. Um, but even before that, I don't think Drew Locke is very good. Yeah, the, the Drew Locke thing is is the wild teams, to me. They love the teams, Drew Locke. The teams he played well against were all like in the bottom five or seven in DVOA. 
last year defensively. So I just, I'm not sold on Drew Locke. Uh, you got to show me first and I, I'm out on, I'm out on him. So I think the Chiefs are going to win the AFC West because of that. Good take. <laughs> Strong. NFC East, who do you got? Oh man, this is a tough one. Um, I want to take the uh, the Eagles. I know there's a lot of Cowboys love out there. I just, I don't know. I don't trust it. I like w- with all the continuity talk that we had. The Eagles certainly have that advantage. Um, with Doug Peterson as their head coach and a system that's been in place for a while. I know the Cowboys probably have the best roster in that division, mm-hmm. but um, a new head coach. Even if Mike McCarthy is markedly better than he was in Green Bay, I I just don't know. I, like, against how many really good teams are the Cowboys going to have a coaching advantage? Right. I don't know it's going to be that many. And I still like Doug Peterson significantly more as a head coach than, than Mike McCarthy. So I'm going to go with the Eagles. I'm going with Dallas because I'm a big offensive line guy. And <laughs> the... <laughs> No, the Eagles have had have had two pretty major injuries on the offensive line, from That's what I true. understand. I'm not going to act like I know everything about the Eagles' offensive line, but Brandon Brooks people, is a good player. People smarter than me are worried about their offensive line, and that and that scares me, especially with the with a quarterback like like Carson Wentz, uh, who's not afraid to stand in and take a hit. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys. It may take them a few weeks to figure it out. It wouldn't surprise me if they start like one and three or something. But I think at some point they're going to rattle off a bunch of wins in a row because I think they're going to score a shitload of points. That's an analytics term. And I, I think they're eventually going to <clears throat> going to finish up like 10 and 6, and that's going to be enough to win the division. Fair enough. NFC North, this is a really wide open division. This is my takeiest take, my hottest, hottest take that I got this going into this season. Are you ready? <laughs> Go ahead. Um... The Detroit Lions are going to win the NFC North. Ooh. And an MVP candidate for the entire National Football League. I don't know if he's going to win it. But if Matt Stafford has a season where he throws 35 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and the Lions win that division, he's going to be in the mix. If the Lions win the division, he throws for five for 5K, he's winning the MVP. I mean, this is still a league that Patrick Mahomes is in, but I'm just saying it's it's narratives, dude. <laughs> I'm just saying that's that's my take. I think Matt Stafford's probably the most criminally underrated quarterback in the league. God, I, I don't think it's his fault that he's been on bad teams with bad coaches. I agree. Um, I think the Lions showed some signs last year when he was healthy, and I'm not in love with the Packers or the Vikings. Um, so I'm going to go out on a limb and take the lions and, uh, hopefully nobody's remember, nobody remembers this when the lions go seven and nine. I think the Packers are going to regress big time. I am not sold on the lions because Matt Patricia is their head coach. Um, Mitch Trubisky is quarterbacking the bears. I think Minnesota wins the division. I really like their defense. And uh, I think Mike Zimmer is the best coach in that division by, by a pretty substantial margin. I know they lost Kevin Stefanski, but. I, I think they're going to be fine, and I think teams are going to have a hard time scoring points on them. So, Minnesota. So, Minnesota did lose Daniel Hunter for the season, right? Or he's on injured reserve at the moment? Uh, yeah, I think he's just on for three games. And then... Um, well, he's, he's, on, he's on IR, but the IR is three games, not eight. Got it. Okay. So... Yeah, and then they lost Everson Griffin, and they remade their entire second. They can do it. They can definitely do it. 
And they picked up Yannick Ngakwe. That's true. I'm familiar with Yannick Ngakwe from my time writing about the AFC South. (laughs) (laughs) Just everything ties back to the Titans. Uh, NFC South. NFC South. Um, hmm. I got a little Falcons love in my heart, but I they were really good at the end of last year. Yeah, they were. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Falcons because I am I am lower on the Saints than a lot of people are. I don't know. I mean, I know they got Emmanuel Sanders, and I know they still have one of the best rosters in the conference. Um. I just didn't love what I saw from Drew Brees in the playoffs. And I think the fact that there aren't going to be fans, or at least I don't know how many fans are going to be in, in attendance at, um, in New Orleans. But I think if there are no fans, opposing offenses are going to be able to put up a ton of points. Um, and I think the Saints might be a regression candidate. So I'm going right. to take the Falcons. And I just, the whole continuity thing with Brady and um, Tampa Bay, I just think it might be hard. I'm not sure Tom Brady is still a good quarterback. Okay. Which is why I'm I'm not as high on the Buccaneers. Like if Tom Brady's good, then I think the Buccaneers are gonna be awesome. But I don't I don't think he's gonna be very good. And I don't think Dan Quinn is that good of a coach. And that's been the motif here or the theme. And I think Sean Payton is a good coach. New Orleans might regress a little bit, but I do think they still win the division. Okay. NFC West. Ooh, um, well, this is such a hard division to pick. Can I, I mean, can it's, I, you're picking between I, the Niners and Seahawks, right? Exactly. And that's what, like, I've, I, I listen to other football podcasts and people try and make this like a four team race. I don't think the Cardinals are there yet. I think the Cardinals are last year's Browns. And th- that might've been a Kevin Clark take that I'm stealing. I'm not sure, but Kevin Clark of the, the ringer NFL show, I, I think had that take. And if he did, I agree with it. He if wrote not, a whole column then, about uh, pre-hype. I did not read that, but early hype. I think yeah. the Cardinals fall into that. Uh, yeah, and then the Rams you're early on hyping up teams. Yeah, so I think the Cardinals are going to be better. I don't think they're going to win the division, and the Rams I just don't think are are there anymore. I think they have some serious overhauling to do and retooling to do, and they just haven't done it yet. So uh, I, I agree with your take that this is a two-horse race going into the year. Yeah, so, hmm. The problem with this is, like, if I pick the 49ers, I'm a homer, and if I pick the Seahawks, I'm a hater. And I don't love being grouped into that either camp. Um, But if you go through position by position, the Seahawks are better at quarterback and safety and receiver um and then i think the 49ers are better basically everywhere else and it's probably not even close right i think it's pretty close at receiver honestly interesting okay yeah i mean i think talent wise it's about even, but just given the fact that we've already seen what Metcalf is in that offense and Lockett's been around forever. Um, I think I give them the nod just from, just from the fact that those guys are established, but you know, three years from now, Debo and IU could, could be one of the better tandems in the league. So we might change, change that. All right. That might change my opinion down the line, okay. but 
point being the 49ers are better at every position with the exception of quarterback safety and receiver, which I guess you could argue, but so based on that, the 49ers are better and you should probably pick them to win the division. On the other hand, um, they always play close games. The Seahawks are always really difficult to beat and Russell Wilson seems to me like the leading candidate for the narrative award, the narrative MVP. And he's um, just so freaking good, dude. Like he's never won an MVP. So everyone, he'll have a great year. The Seahawks will be 11 and five or whatever. And then everyone will say, Oh, Russ, finally, let, this is the year that we give Russ the MVP that he probably should have gotten at some point earlier. Um, so if that's the case, I mean, the Seahawks will get the knot, but I'm going to pick the Niners just because I believe in their roster more overall. I believe in Kyle Shanahan as an in-game coach. Um, still don't trust Pete Carroll to make the right, like fourth down decisions, clock management stuff. He's never really, that's never really been his bag. Um, so I'm going to give the nod to the 49ers. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's right. And if, if the Seahawks had, I'm doing some counting standby. If the Seahawks had 27. 28 if the seahawks had like 28 or 29 other quarterbacks starting quarterbacks i don't think it would even be a conversation no no but that's Ru- that's the gulf between the rosters but it also speaks right. to how good russ is right and that's that that was that was that second thing was the point i'm getting at like russell wilson is just such an equalizer who like it's not a coincidence that the seahawks always play these weird ass close games when he's under center because they, he just kind of keeps them around. Yeah. Um. And, and I think on a, on a, if you take that and zoom it out into a more macro sense, he's going to always keep them around in the division race. Yeah. And so that's the only reason to me, this is a two team race. It's all Russell Wilson. They're both making the playoffs. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think that's right. And if you told me one was not going to make the playoffs, I would say it's the Seahawks. Yes. Because it's easy. I, I just, I, I, yeah, that, that's you a good said way it. The Niners' roster is better. That's a the good Niners way to put it. Better. Like you can make a case for the Seahawks, but it's also just based on everything we're talking about. It would seem more likely that the Seahawks would have a better chance to miss the playoffs than the 49ers would. They're two games against each other last year. If George Kittle and it plays and Emmanuel Sanders is healthy, I think the Niners win that one. Well, they would have won it with a healthy kicker too. Yeah, right. And but but my point is is I don't know how how close that game is if the Niners offense is fully healthy and or not even fully healthy. If they have their, their, their two top pass catchers. Right. And because remember in that game, Joe Staley got hurt early. He was coming back from the broken leg and just wasn't right. And Jadavian Clowney had a, had a monster game. And I think their two head to head matchups made it seem like the Seahawks and 49ers were closer than they were. I okay. think the Niners were were like significantly better last year. Yeah, a lot of things went wrong for the for the 49ers in the in that Monday night game for sure. Yeah, and then the Seahawks are just tough to play in up in up in Seattle and um okay. and the, and the Niners got to stop at the end. So, um yeah, I think the Niners win the division. Yeah. I think I think that's fair. Who wins MVP? Matthew Stafford. 
I think I picked Dak Prescott in our Blue Wire predictions. Yeah. Make sure to check that out. At Actually, well, in our Blue Wire predictions, I think I, I did Mahomes. That's fair. I that's um, just but I I just I, I'm gonna be hot takey for once in my life and didn't you go Stafford way. MVP and pick Mahomes offensive player of the year? No, I did Christian McCaffrey as offensive mm. player of the year. As the O Poi for sure. Okay. Yeah. Nick Bosa is a defensive player of the year. I think that was my pick as well. Yeah. Um offensive I'm a homer. Offensive rookie of the year. I think I picked Michael Pittman Jr. for the Colts. You did. Um, I went with Joe Burrow, but it might end up being Clyde Ed- Edwards Hilaire. Yeah, he was awesome tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was really good. Uh, and then defensive rookie of the year? Uh, Chase Young. Yeah, I went with Damon Arnett from the Raiders. Both Ohio State guys. The Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, where you went. A school in Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> Uh, Columbus, Ohio University is what some people call it. <laughs> you really want to make people angry, just call it uh, um, Ohio State University. Not the Ohio State. Yeah. Just an Ohio State University. Or the University. University of Ohio State is what I should have said. Oh, that's great. I, th- yeah. I might start doing that on the internet just for fun. Yeah. You'll get angry. With, You'll get angry people in your mentions. With the 49ers, who leads the running backs in touches this year? touches um raheem mostert okay do you think it's a i think he's going to lead the team in carries if he leads the team in carries do you think it's a wide margin no i think jarek mckinnon my hot take i I don't know if this is a hot take i think jarek mckinnon has more touches than tevin coleman this year yeah i think that's right i said that last time by the way in the last pod okay clearly i got it from you (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, no, I, I, I just uh okay. Who um hmm uh who who are we Who leads the team gonna, in receptions? I gonna, yeah, I guess I guess that's a good one. I was gonna um all the ones I had I felt like just had obvious answers and so as soon as I started to say it it felt like there's an obvious answer and so I just didn't ask it. <laughs> We could say if we assume George Kittle is going to lead the lead the team in receptions, who's second? Okay, good. I'm glad that you know how to do this, and I don't. Um, um, Trent Taylor <laughs> is my pick. Good for Chris. Okay, I'm going to say Not Trent Debo? Taylor's second on the 49ers in catches. Not Debo Samuel. No, I think Debo is going to lead in. Re- uh, no, because I think Debo is going to have more receiving yards than Taylor, but Taylor's going to get more targets. Does Debo Samuel get to a thousand yards receiving? Yes. Okay. 49ers will have 2000 yard receivers in Kittle and Samuel for the first time in however long. And Taylor will be second reception. Okay. Um, I'm just flying Jimmy, off the cuff does, with random predictions. I don't, no, I don't I like know. That. How much I actually believe this No, stuff, this but. is good. No, this is good. Um, okay. Does Jimmy Garoppolo, Oh, this is great. This is such a good one. Does Jimmy okay. Garoppolo set the franchise record for passing yards? What's the number? 4278, I believe. Let me check that to be sure. But I believe that's the case. Um, hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, why not? I think he does too. Let me let me make sure I've got that right. Um, yeah, Jeff Garcia, 4278. Um <laughs> 
Jeff Garcia's year, actually, that was 2,000. He had 4,278 yards, 31 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. I actually think that's a little bit what Jim, Jimmy Garoppolo season looks like, but Jeff Garcia did it in 561 attempts. I think Jimmy Garoppolo does it in way fewer attempts. Yeah, like there's... Yeah, if Jimmy Garoppolo cuts down on his turnovers um, and the 49ers defense regresses a little bit and he's going to have to throw more, I definitely think he's capable, considering that he almost hit 4,000 in his first year as a starter. First full year. Right, right. Yeah, he did that, and there were multiple games where they took their foot off the gas for the entire second half. Right. Um, so I, 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 I do think he gets there, and... Jimmy Garoppolo is my like sneaky fantasy play who I picked up in the 12th round this year nice. um, because I think he's going to be a really good fantasy option. You'll be surprised to learn I, I grabbed Matt Stafford in one of my leagues late. He almost <laughs> went undrafted. I was incensed. That's wild, dude. That's insane. I was incensed. I was like, I had two quarterbacks already and I'm like, I'm taking Matt Stafford on. You took three league. quarterbacks? What are you doing? Yeah, because I... Two I, quarterback league? Uh, No. Oh my God. I'm going to need a trade chip at some point. <laughs> I didn't I didn't like any of the guys. Um, <laughs> I can go through. I, I can go through my team. I and, contemplated and why. I contemplated drafting zero quarterbacks and just picking one up off the waiver wire after the draft. <laughs> and you took 3. Yeah. Fantasy strategies are fun. Yeah. I mean, keep in mind this was one of the last rounds in the draft. It wasn't like I reached for Matt Stafford as my third quarterback. It's like I might have found my best fantasy quarterback in the 15th round or whatever. That'd be pretty upside. Neat. It was an upside getting, getting Stafford that late is wild. Dude. Yeah, that's why I did it. Yeah, no. I, I don't it. know if you know if you notice this during your draft, but there the league isn't teaming with fantasy running backs right now. There are like 15 to 20 of them. Yeah, that's why I did the people have turned this off by now. If you, if you want to turn this off and not listen to fantasy subscribe, rate review, candlestick chronicles, we'll be doing two pods a week throughout the season. Thanks for listening. Uh, okay, Chris, um, I tried this. It was kind of a half, 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 half ass attempt at this zero RB strategy where you basically just ignore running back until like the fifth or sixth round. Yeah. I think that's a bad idea. Um, it actually didn't turn out that poorly because like you said, there's not a bunch of like really high end fantasy options and it's really hard to project like number one, if, it, if you're not getting Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley or one of the five best um, running backs, then there's a really good chance you get screwed. Right. So like I got Raheem Mostert, Mark Ingram, um, Tariq Cohen, and then I just drafted a bunch of running backs late, like Daryl Henderson from the Rams, because there's a world where he winds up being like their number one back by week ten. Uh, Duke Johnson in in Houston, same kind of deal. I have uh, Cam Akers in both leagues, so I hope that's you're great, wrong. great idea. No, that's that's fine. I was going to draft him, and then somebody took him before me, uh, and then I drafted Frank Gore because it felt like the right thing to do. That's fair. So, um, I. <laughs> this is a good way to end the pod. I reluctantly ended up with George Kittle on both my teams. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe and... he'll stop taking creative angles toward the pod. Yeah. He's still ducking the pod. Um, 
Shout out to shout out to George Kittle for ducking the pod. And everybody and shout who's, out to... who's, who's tweeted at George already. We're gonna make this yeah. happen at some point. It's gonna happen. Kittle's gonna come on the pod. It might take a little while because apparently he's busy these next couple weeks. Um, doing what? Well, they're gonna be in New York. Uh, or yeah, they're gonna at, be sitting around the Greenbrier, not doing anything. It's yeah, just come on the pod I mean, for half an hour. He could probably come kick it with us for half an hour while he's in at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. What do you, what's he gonna do? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just buy some green stuff. Like, come on. Right. So, I'm not even sure the green stuff is legal in West Virginia, but oh, hey, um, hey, now, uh, I, if we're not sitting here sifting through George Kittle's mentions, so if you want us to retweet it, which I for sure will, make sure to tag me when you tag George Kittle, and tell him that he should stop taking creative angles toward the pot. Yeah. All right. Are we done? Uh, I think. Do you have so. more fantasy takes? Do I have any more fantasy takes? No. I, Did the I'm... 49ers win on Sunday? What's the score? Ooh, uh... Oh, hey, hey, that sucks for the people that tuned out for the fantasy thing because now they're not going to hear the prediction. Uh, 33-20 49ers. I think it's like, uh, I think it's something like 31-30 49ers. I think that was my prediction. Oh, a close game. Yeah, I think so. But the more I think about it, the more I, I lean toward what you're saying where like the coaching gap is going gonna, is gonna to really play a factor. Yeah, I mean... Chiefs Texans was kind of like I like I don't think the Texans are as bad as they played. I think it's going to be tough to to go on the road your first trip of the year leaving wherever you're at to go play a game against a good team. Yeah, and also Bill O'Brien stinks. He does. Okay. Well, he does. He I I don't know how I feel about Bill O'Brien because I do think he's good with quarterbacks for the most part. He's obviously a terrible general manager. That is has been abundantly clear. Um, his game management isn't great, but I do think schematically, like, put it this way, if Bill O'Brien were to get fired, he would get an offensive coordinator job pretty quickly. Um, I would think. Like, he would be very in demand. Yeah, I think so, but I don't think he'd be in demand as a head coach. Yeah, probably not. He's been there for a while, though. Yeah, two, yeah, and they haven't done anything, man. Got to the playoffs a few times. Yeah, great. I mean, I'm not like dying on the stake for Bill O'Brien, but you know, I'm glad I don't this think... has come full circle. By the way. <laughs> um. All right. Should so, we wrap it up, uh, or should we keep think, talking about Bill O'Brien? Who do you think the best coach in the NFL is, and why is it Bill O'Brien? <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, the best we're coach gonna, in the league gonna, is still Belichick. Yeah, no, we're going to get out of here now. Okay. All right. Uh, we both have the 49ers winning on Sunday. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review if you haven't already. We'll have game recaps on Tuesdays and just kind of whatever else comes up, any news and stuff, and then we'll do the same. Are we going to start on, recording on Monday nights? Is that going to be the deal? Do, do we want to? That's what we did last year, so we... Yeah, I think I think that works. That works yeah. for me. That way, right, Tuesday is working my, this out on the pod. Tuesday is like a real off day for you for your boy oh yeah so you don't want to talk to me that's cool uh yeah so we'll do uh <laughs> i understand uh i don't want to talk to me either on my off days so uh yeah I so we'll be recording our interaction limited to the group chat that's it <laughs> <laughs> uh chris and i if you guys didn't know we have a group chat with uh, nick wagner of espn um <laughs> so <laughs> we're gonna get out of here subscribe rate review uh thanks everybody who listens tell all your friends uh, gonna be a super fun year really happy football's back 
and the 49ers should be really good again, which makes this podcast even more fun to do. And uh, tell jo- tell George Kittle to stop talking the pod. Tell at gkittle46 on Twitter and Instagram. Tell him to stop ducking and taking creative angles toward the pod. The wait, the long, long wait. It's felt like the longest offseason of all time. It's finally over. Football is back. And you may not be at the game this year, 49er fan. Chiefs fan, congratulations. You got to go to a game and I think a couple other teams. But uh, 49er fan, you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every single day. That's right, seven days a week. It never closes. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-E-W-I-R-E, all one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.